0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I just want to say that we are continuing the series this morning, the 40 Days of Thanks. Uh, I think we must be around about day 20... 21? Day 22, day 22. So we are halfway there. Uh, we have had the opening nine and we're going to do the back nine, okay. the back 20, the back 18. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be phenomenal. And I'm, I'm, I've been l- enjoying it, reading it every morning, uh, most mornings, I'll be honest, <laughs> I'm in church. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope that you guys are doing it as well. And I want to encourage you as well. It's not too late. If you haven't uh, maybe signed up yet, then you can still sign up. We still have another sort of uh, two, three, two three weeks, two, three weeks of uh, of awesome devotionals where we are just finding out about God and thanking God and just opening up our minds to to that whole sort of uh, that sphere and that that, that attitude of gratitude. And uh, so I encourage you to uh, continue with that. And and I'm going to be speaking today's on thanks, surprisingly, within the 40 days. I don't know what that was, but I didn't like the sound of it one little bit. This this week, this week, I'll move on, I'll move on. This week... uh, my wife on Thursday night, uh, another Macmillan Trusting run by uh, Judith, went to a clothes swap uh, in the church. I think it was Thursday night. And uh, she came back very pleased with herself. And she said, James, 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 don't, don't thank me now. <laughs> but look what I have for you. And she pulled out these three jumpers. Uh, and, and she was very proud of them. And she's like, James, I got these for you in the clothes swap. And my initial thought was, either they are much closer to me than I realise, or they look ginormous. (laughs) Turned out, double extra large, (laughs) which you know was a wonderful compliment from my wife. (laughs) And to to sort of try and make amends, she said, "Well, you know, you could when we go out for walks, you know, uh, on those cold winter days, you could wear it." I just thought, what, and do an impression of a sailboat. And <laughs> come on, kids, jump aboard the HMS billowing. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, uh, she managed to get many clothes for herself that, uh, that all fit perfectly. So uh, that, is, uh, that is something to be thankful for. And uh, <laughs> But... Uh, You know, the the event was sort of all people bringing stuff and sharing it. And and, and from what Laura said, it was an amazing event. It was a great turnout. Everyone had an awesome time. And and, and most people left with clothes that fit them and their families. Uh, (laughs) It might be quite funny because it might be like you were wearing something one week and then you see somebody else wearing the same thing. We might all be wearing the same clothes. We just sort of switch them around a little bit. But, it's th- but you know what, it's, you've got to thank the, the generosity and uh, the participation of people. You know, people wanted to be a part of it, what people wanted to give in to, to this great charity and, and to just be a contributor. And I have a verse for you here from uh, One, uh, 1 Chronicles, Chronicles 29, uh, verse 14. And it says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Wow. That is awesome. I, that, is, that is such a, that, that encapsulates so much, I find, in the, the humor of our giving. There's a certain humor in the giving, whether it be our time, whether it be our money, whether it be our efforts. When we give to God... We don't actually give him anything that he didn't give to us in the first place. know, we often struggle with the giving because it is actually ours at that time. You know, we have the choice. But, but there is something humorous about sort of giving God something that he gave, gave you to begin with. It's, it's like when you're a child and you buy your parents birthday presents or Christmas presents, but with pocket money that they gave to you. It's like, thank you very much for this. Or when you go up to your parents and say, hey, can I have 20 quid to buy you a present? "Uh, Yeah, okay. (laughs) I guess. Why don't you take 50 or 100? (laughs) Get me something I really want. (laughs) For years and years, it's quite, this is quite funny because my uh, mum my da- and dad have actually turned up this morning. They're here with us and I never expected that. I only found out like a few minutes ago. Uh, but for years and years, my dad made the fatal mistake of telling us uh, he really liked uh, drinking tea out of fine, uh, fine bone china, something like that. And for probably about a decade, he got pine bone china cups from me and both of my brothers <laughs> for like birthday and Christmas <laughs> but dad likes it so we'll just get him it all the time <laughs> I don't know does anyone remember the first time they ever went to buy something in a shop on their own as, a, as a, presumably a child <laughs> if some of you here today are still waiting for that opportunity then uh, let this story I'm about to tell you encourage you <laughs> But uh, mine was, uh, I would have been maybe seven or eight years old, and uh, me and my younger brothers had decided, for an adventure, to run away from home. Uh, and there was nothing wrong with home, but it just seemed like a really good idea to do. like uh, Huckleberry Finn had done it, and uh, you know, so Tom Sawyer, so why wouldn't we? Uh, and so, but like, in, you know, in, in true sort of Hamilton fashion, we felt we had to sort of uh, preempt this by writing a letter to explain to our parents what was happening. And we, uh, we left. We, actually, what had happened was I had reappropriated funds, that's a polite way of saying stealing, uh, <laughs> some money from my parents in order to fund our great escape. And uh, we made our first port of call, which was really about as far as we'd ever been from home, which was the corner shop, which was surprisingly around the corner. And uh, we went to the corner shop, And I said, I was about seven or eight years old. I I could count, but barely. And my brother, we were going to buy some sweets. And my brothers, who were both younger than me, just started piling the sweets on the counter. Oh, can we have this? Can we have this? And there's just this pile that just started going up. And although I wasn't 100%, I wasn't totally naive to uh, how much things cost, I had this dreadful sense of foreboding that I did not have enough money in my hand <laughs> to be paid for this. I had, like, 50 pence. My brothers are throwing, like, everything Oh, We'll get a double Mars bar, will we? And, uh, and this pile, and I just have this really vivid memory of just looking at my hand and just having this sickening feeling that what was in it was nowhere near, near enough to sort of clear this bill. And as this sort of, like, nightmare is unfolding and sort of reaching its crescendo where I know this person on the other side of the till is about to ask me can I pay for this? Uh, My dad, who had clearly just read the letter, came running around at the shop, panting, and uh, I can only imagine how terrifying he must have been. If I woke up to find a letter from my kids saying they're going to run away from home, I'd be like, (laughs) oh my goodness. But fortunately, he knew how predictable we were. he, He came around and got us, and I remember just this relief, just thank goodness, Dad's here to rescue us. And he sort of settled the bill and he, and, he, and he took the sort of the sweets. But the funny thing was this, that the sweets were now his. Uh, they were bought, incidentally, with ill-gotten gains from him in the first place. Uh, and I'm sure he probably had to add uh, some funds to, uh, to sort of clear the debt. But he took the, took the sweets. And I remember having a bit of a problem with that. Uh, <laughs> I know. What an ungrateful child, eh? But I remember thinking, like, I kind of had a bit of a claim to those. You know, they were, they were sweets that, that, that we had wanted, and I felt a little bit justified in, in thinking that maybe he should sort of pass them on, and, uh, uh, and that, that, that he should really sort of allow me to claim my prize. And I think sometimes in our walk with God our, as, as Christians, we sometimes think The the promises and the gifts of God are something that we deserve by virtue of the fact that we are a Christian. Because we are a Christian, that everything that God has promised, all of his gifts, all of those things are something that we deserve. That we deserve those things. Well, uh, I think God puts it really clearly in uh, Job 41.11. He says, Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Who has a claim against me? If we come here, if we come before God with this idea that God owes us something because we have uh, decided in our uh, wisdom that, that we are going to sort of dedicate our lives to God and because of that God is now in some way indebted to us, that is a, a serious miscalculation. That is, that is not how God rules. You know, that's, that's not who God is. Before we can walk in the fullness the absolute fullness of his promises, there really needs to be an appreciation. There needs to be an appreciation on the inside of us of who God is, what he has done, how he moves, and where he is positioned in our lives. We need to have a real understanding of his nature and his character. You know, when we're... And I'm talking about walking in the fullness of his promises... uh, walking in everything, to realize his promises is not a matter matter of adding what he has, but allowing what he has to transform us. It's not a matter of addition, it's a matter of transformation. See, what I had in my hand wasn't enough. And although adding to it fixed it, in our lives, you can't just add to what we are, the shortfall is, and that makes everything right. You know, there is... There's a transformation that needs to take place. Our lives are also, they're not changed on our own terms. Often we would like them to be. Often we present that to God as, as the, uh, the solution to whatever problem or issue we might face. But they are solutions that are very much on our terms. See, we are changed according to who he is and who we understand him to be, how he has revealed himself in our lives. Uh, I would imagine many of you here would have, uh, would remember the uh, very famous and iconic singer Johnny Cash. Now, he died about, I think, probably 12, 13 years ago, but uh, he was very famous. They made a film about him, and uh, he was a really interesting guy. He was a Christian, but he was a Christian who uh, you know, was very open about the fact that he had... Uh, long periods of his life where he would backslide and he would write these songs he was tremendously talented at writing very uh, melancholy songs you know somebody is very sad and and they were his best songs he wrote some uh, some praise songs and, and in my honest opinion they were utterly dreadful <laughs> <laughs> they were really terrible songs but, but he had the talent uh, to to write these sort of very melancholy uh, sad songs and i think pastor kevin said it last week is that uh you know, we're very, it's very easy for us to write about those natural things, but to, to push into something that, that talks of the glory of God is actually something much more difficult, because it's not so much in our nature, it's about sort of interacting with his. But uh, he di- when he, just before he died, he, he released a, an album, and uh, the, the, song, the signature song from that album was uh, very inspiringly called Heart. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> the final line of it I, I, I really like the song but the final line of it uh, he says I would keep myself I would find a way and the song talks greatly it's a summation of his life a talk about the regrets of his life some of the hurts that he feels as if he might have caused other people and, uh, but then you hear this final line I would keep myself I would find a way and you know, it sounds quite stirring it sounds like you know regardless of everything that went on regardless of whatever circumstances he knew in himself that he would always be the success that he is today uh, regardless of how things might have changed but although that's the way it kind of comes across I, I just feel like that isn't at all what he's saying the tone of the song is one of regret it's one of sadness of uh, what he what he'd done wrong and, and the way that probably it had affected the people around him and My belief is that when he wrote those words, or or when he sang those words, that really what he was saying was that even if he had been a million miles away from the circumstances he'd been in, even if he'd been in totally different circumstances, he doesn't feel as if he could have escaped the failings and the weaknesses that were upon his life. Because they were failings and weaknesses that would have followed him anywhere he went. And so what he was really saying was, you know, I, I, I could have had talent, I could have not had talent, I could have, you know, been very famous, I could have not been famous, but my failings are something that I couldn't change on my own. They weren't something that I could do anything about on my own, and so therefore I would be doomed to sort of, you know, sort of have those things happen regardless of where I am, regardless of what my circumstances were. And. You know, it it presents the question of, you know, change, you know, change in our lives. Is it something that we can do? Can we see change in our lives? Or do what we really do is kick the can further down the road until a time in which our discipline falters and we just revert to type? Well, I think Paul, the Apostle Paul, he talks about the human condition uh, in in very raw uh, words. And, And he says in Romans 7 21 to 25, he says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to be good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subjected to death? Before I go any further, Like, I imagine there's many of us here that can sympathize with those thoughts. You know, sympathize with the, oh, I feel so wretched. Oh, it's the same mistake over and over again. Why can my change not be permanent? But the very next words, the very next words, after he says, what a wretched man am I, he says, thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. so then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. See, he recognized he recognized something absolutely crucial, that we will have flaws, we have things that we mistakes that we make over and over again, regrets that maybe follow us. And in our own strength, in our own minds, in our own flesh, to shake that off permanently is is so difficult. It's something that takes permanent, ironclad, concrete discipline that when it falters for a moment, brings you right back to the beginning again. And yet he knew that his change, that his redemption came from one place and came through one attitude. And that was one of thanks to God thanks to God before he's even changed thanks be to God see change in any area of our lives occurs when we enact God's promise when we enact it not when we think about it but when we enact it when God's promise is something that we work on see God's promises do not make change happen on their own God's promises don't make change happen on their own we are We are not redeemed through our own deeds. We all agree on that. We are not redeemed redeemed through our own own deeds. However, God does not redeem us against our will. He doesn't redeem us against our will. Many people whose will is not to be redeemed, and they aren't redeemed. He has established principles that will alter the trajectory of our lives. He has set them out there and he has talked about them in the Bible and and explained them all and explained their purpose and explained their meaning and explained how we can receive them and walk in them. But he does not make us take that path. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4 to 5, it says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, and with all knowledge. See, God wants to change the trajectory of your life. He wants to alter the course and take it to one that just walks in the fullness of his promises. But I think of this much like climbing a staircase. See, if you want that view, if you want that to be the view of your life, to have a life enriched with the fullness of God, then you have to be willing to walk up the stairs to get to that view. See, otherwise, you know, otherwise your, your, your circumstances may change, but your mindset won't. Unless that's where you want to go. Your circumstances might alter, they might get better, they might get worse, but your mindset has not changed. Because, because in order for it to be changed, it would have to be changed in spite of yourself. And that's not the way it works. That is not the way it works. You are not changed in spite of yourself, you are changed because you deliberately deliberately choose to allow God's promises to work and find fullness in your life see if you're climbing the stairs and you're looking back over your shoulder looking back to what's behind you looking back to what's at the bottom what are you going to do you are going to stumble on your way up those stairs and you're going to find yourself at the bottom where your focus had originally lay I I look at my children and they're always trying to multitask while going up the stairs they're always trying to carry something that's like the size of them. And you try and take it away because you understand that, that even as an adult, trying to walk upstairs and doing something else at the same time can, 50% of the time, end up with you doing something you don't want to do. And as a child where the stairs are like half their height, you know, for them to multitask, for them to try and lift, take a burden with them up a stair, it doesn't work. You end up at the bottom. To climb those stairs to lift the foundation of your life onto God's principles, that has to be the only focus. To, the, the, he has laid out these principles, these principles that go up and up and, and, and go towards a trajectory that is his fullness, that is change, that is everlasting change. And we have to lift our foundation of our lives onto those principles, up those stairs, allow God to just move us in that direction. He has placed them there. Those principles are firm foundations. In what's fact, they're actually even firmer foundations than anything else that we might have our lives sitting on right now. Who knows that? Amen? Amen. Those are the firm foundations, but they require us to lift ourselves onto something new. To offer thanks, to take His uh, To to offer thanks, as as Paul said, to to give thanks, to start with thanks, is to to offer up, to take a stance of humility towards God. (coughs) Pardon me. And thankfulness, a thankful heart is a humble heart. A thankful heart is a humble heart. I I, I go offshore from time to time, and the the vessels that I go on are predominantly crewed by uh, by Norwegians, because it's a Norwegian company I work for. And some of the Brits have a bit of a, a grumble at the fact that they, they, they have this idea, in some instances, that the, the Norwegians can be quite abrupt and a little bit rude. And the reason they think that is because they don't, as a habit, say please and thank you as much as, as we would traditionally here. And they have this idea that, 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 makes, that must be, that's kind of a rudeness. But you have to understand a little bit about Norwegian culture. See, Norwegian or Scandinavian culture is a very flat social system. It's very flat. And so the idea of elevating somebody above somebody else is actually culturally something that they're very uncomfortable with. Uh, and so they will not sort of... To say thank you for something is, in their mind is, is an idea of to elevate that person uh, above yourself. So if, if at work, you know, any of us that might be at work, if we are... Speaking with someone, if someone does something for us, regardless of what their status is, we would just say thank you and and, and not really think very much of it. But I actually believe in their culture they have a a reverence for the thanks because they have an understanding that to give thanks is to humble yourself before another person, to lift that person up. And so they will happily give it uh, to someone that is their superior because they want to honour that person. They want to elevate that person. They want to give that person uh, honour and show humility towards themselves. Uh, and they don't just throw that word around. They don't throw it around uh, because I feel as if they have an appreciation, a different appreciation, and culturally it's just one of those different, different things that you just get used to. But I just believe they have this, this idea and this, this, this reverence for that word that they, they want, they understand that to, to use it is to use it in a way that would humble themselves and honour another person. I think think about sometimes the way we use it. We had a a, a leaving card go around work this week and uh, there was uh, this person who was leaving. And the little area that I was sitting in, uh, we were all kind of looking at the name and none of us actually knew who the person was. And we weren't, well, we weren't 100% sure. We were like, is it that person? Is it this person? We didn't really know. Uh, So do you think that stopped us? writing, you know, words of thanks for everything they've done for us, you know, vague, you know, feelings of loss and, you know, hopes for their future. No, we all wrote complete and utter sort of just made-up stuff. So you're like, oh, I'm really going to miss you. You've writhed all that time you helped me, eh? And it's nonsense. But like there's a sort of a feeling that, you know, we just, we just throw that word out there. And yet thanks is a word where we humble ourselves and we, we show honor where we give it. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, a humble heart is a heart that can be taught and can be molded into something new. See, a haughty heart is prickly. you can imagine trying to take a piece of clay that's got prickles in it and you you just can't you can't mould it it's trying to teach someone who's proud have you ever have you ever been asked a question by someone and you're halfway through answering it for them to then tell you what they think their answer is and they're like you don't have any interest in telling me or asking what I think you just wanted to show me how clever you are no there's there's no humility in that see a thankful heart knows what it is to receive and knows where and appreciates what it is to be in need. See, that's, that's kind of the paradox of, of being a Christian. There's many paradoxes of being a Christian, but one of them is you don't receive until you give thanks. But what you receive only finds fulfillment when it is given to another. What you receive only finds familiar, f- uh, fulfillment once it is given to another. See, a Christian's life is a life intended Overflow. It's a life intended for overflow, that it would be a cascade of grace. It would be a cascade of grace. We are not intended just to brim ourselves before God, but we are intended to be part of the flow. We are intended to be part of the flow, not the end product, not a big lock that just fills up and gets fat and lazy, but one that just cascades grace upon those around us. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11 to 12, you will be enriched in every way so that you, will be, you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Many expressions of thanks to God. We are enriched and we are enriched so that our lives are blessed, but also that the lives of every single person around us are blessed. We, we all appreciate we all appreciate what it is to receive from God. We all, we all know what what we've received from God has had a profound effect upon our lives because we are all children that Kind of essentially came from the shadows. We're all children from the shadows, and we all know what it is like, and all know what it has been like to live in darkness, to to have dark areas of our lives. We all know what it is to receive God's life. Light. Two Corinthians four verse six. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. Displayed in the face of God. We all appreciate the gift of light because because we all know what it was like not to have light. And because we know what it was not to, not to have light, we also know what a gift it would be for the people around us. To truly understand the value of a gift, you have to have an appreciation of what its purpose is for. You have to know what it's for. And when God just fills our lives with himself, when his grace fills us, comes into us, changes us, sure, we benefit from that. But God has a heart for the nations. He has a heart for people. He has a heart for mankind. And when we are, when we receive from God, it is something that is supposed to spill over into everybody else. See, true life, Altering change is impossible to sustain by just what, we, what we've got. It's like when I was in that shop and I was looking at my hand. There wasn't enough there. Permanent change comes only through Jesus. The renewing of our minds comes by us first offering up our thanks to God. Just thanking God. I thank you, God. And in doing so, we... We experience His transformation. And you open up your heart in a stance of gratitude. Gratitude is a a stance that allows you to receive. It's not a grabbing, a grabbing stance. It's one that, that is humble and it's one that is prepared to receive. And change does not stop even when we are full. It continues as it overflows out of our lives. Isaiah 12 verse 4 says, "In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known all the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted." I just see that as the overflow. That is overflowing. That is someone that is that is the ministry of just change being so significant that it rises up out of our mouths, that we would allow it to just speak forth, speak forth to the nations and exalt God, lift up God's name, not hold anything back. Keep our lives just committed to God, committed to Jesus, keeping keeping one eye on an alternative solution ensures that we always remain, keep that as an option. But you know what? When you thank God, when you come before God and you humble yourself before Him, you know that, that He is the one and He is the way. We were singing a song earlier and it was very simple, the words it said, I am yours. I am yours. I am forever yours. I am yours. And I just think that's such a, that's a humble place to be. You know, some of those days, some of that forever, there might be days where you feel like you haven't fulfilled that declaration, but that's where God's grace comes in. That's where God just, he makes up for any lack. I am yours. I am yours. Thank you, God, that I am yours. Thank you, God, that I am yours. Thank you, God, that anything and everything that needs to happen in my life can happen because I am yours. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.